From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up. If I wanted to be unfair, I wouldn't have seated the the Republican from Iowa because that was my right on the opening day. I would have just said, they're not seated. And that would have been my right as Speaker to do. That was Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi claiming she has the authority to possibly expel Iowa Republican Representative Marionetta Miller Meeks, despite state officials certifying her victory by six votes. Now, with the companies that suspended donations to Republican members of Congress over their objections to the Electoral College, results back in January take another stand now as House Democrats try to overturn the state-certified results of Iowa's second district race. We'll talk about it with Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, who has spoken out to those businesses, and also get him to weigh in on the surge at the southern border, which he saw firsthand last week. Speaking of surges, we've been seeing more and more states, education departments trying to integrate wokeism into academic standards and curricula. Last week, a committee tasked at reviewing and revising Minnesota's K-12 academic standards met amid a public outcry in the state over the first draft of its social studies standards, which removes key elements like the Holocaust and teaches high school freshmen about the evils of whiteness, Christianity, and capitalism. Leading the push against the proposed standards is the Center of the American Experiment. Katrin Wigfall, a fellow there, will join us later with what's going on in her state. And a little later here on Washington Watch, FRC's David Clawson will join me to talk about education from a biblical worldview. We'll hear his reaction to what we see taking place in states like Minnesota, California, and others. We'll also talk about Christians and churches and what they can do for their children as wokeism continues to force its way into America's classrooms. And then finally, Brent Kylan, Vice President of FRC Action, will join us to share what concerned parents and citizens can do to influence school boards and local officials so that they uh, will not have to be putting out these fires continually but actually providing their kids with a solid education in their community. All of that and more coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you happen to be on Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. Okay. After the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January the 6th, some of America's biggest companies publicly announced that they would be suspending donations to Republican members of Congress who objected to the Electoral College results. Now, the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, is trying to expand the Democrats' narrow margin in the chamber by overturning the state-certified results of Iowa's second district race in which Representative Miller Meeks beat Democrat, uh, Democrat Rita Hart by six votes. And Senate Republicans, who were not among those who voted against the election certification in January, are telling those same companies to be consistent with their message and publicly take a stand now as they did back then. Joining me now to talk about this is Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, who was among the U.S. senators who issued the call to these companies last week. Senator, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. It's always good to be on with you, and it's good to be in good company with Tony Perkins now that you've been sanctioned by the Chinese Communist Party, just like me, Uh, for standing up for religious freedom uh, of Christians and other oppressed religious minorities in China. So 
Uh, I just want to say you should wear that like a badge of honor, Tony. Well, thank you, Senator. It's good to be in uh, in good company. Of course, you were one of the early ones uh, sounding the alarm about China even last year over the coronavirus. Uh, so you know that this uh, the, the, this this group, the Chinese Communist Party, is up to no good. I will ask you a question about that, though. This suggests to me that they, or, and I was talking about this yesterday with Gordon Chang, that I, I think this shows a little bit of concern and desperation that they're trying to save public face internationally as more and more countries now are speaking out about what's actually happening within the borders of China. Yeah, it's well past time, too, that so many of our partners and allies around the world are condemning uh, the Chinese Communist Party for the genocide they're committing against their own people and the oppression of uh, people of faith of all stripes in mainland China. And they're sanctioning you. They're even sanctioning some American companies, companies that are not exactly hotbeds of conservative thought. It goes to show that they are concerned about public opinion around the world, and they should be. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about those American companies. Some of those, uh, they deal in double standards. If they didn't deal in double standards, they wouldn't have any standards, in my view. Uh, but you sent a, a letter along with Senator Mitch McConnell, the leader, Republican leader, Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa and Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa, uh, to these businesses that said, hey, we're, we're, we're suspending donations to those who challenged the election results back in January. And you're saying, OK, what are you going to do now? about Democrats that are challenging the certified elections in Iowa. So what's been the response to that letter? Yeah, Tony, so uh, let's take a step back and set the table here. You had an incredibly, incredibly close election in Iowa divided, uh, decided by just six votes. However, the Democrat in that election, after losing multiple recounts by bipartisan boards, refused to challenge the results in state court. So the state of Iowa certified its elections and Marionette Miller-Meeks was seated in Congress on January 3rd at a time when the Democrats treated state-certified results as sacrosanct, as if they were handed down on tablets. Uh, but now that Joe Biden's the president and they've got a very narrow margin in the House, the Democrats are saying, well, you know, state-certified results, maybe we're going to overturn them. They're having hearings into it at this very moment. So it struck me a couple weeks ago that these companies – uh, that condemned Republicans, that were said they were going to withhold contributions from Republicans, should apply the exact same standard to the Democrats in the House, starting with Nancy Pelosi, who were disputing the certified election results uh, in Iowa. Uh, now, it won't surprise you, know, Tony, that we haven't really had much response from these companies. Some of them have sheepishly admitted privately that they are applying a double standard, but no public responses yet. But it, it is so important, Tony, that conservatives take a stand against some of these woke corporations and organizations like the NCAA or the NFL or the NBA, and we don't let them presume to speak for millions of Americans and that we hold them to the same standard that they want to apply to conservatives. Well, and it uh, it appears that the majority of American um, uh, businesses understand what is going on here is not right. Zogby uh, did a uh, uh, basically a poll of business leaders, 61 percent uh, said that the progressive ideas on race, gender and post-colonialism and the cancel cultures were undermining society and they were unnecessary. But some of the biggest companies with the biggest platforms and voices seem to be pushing the left's agenda like there's no tomorrow. Uh, they are, Tony. You know, they're trying to uh, indoctrinate their own workforces, making it mandatory that you undergo so-called critical race theory training, uh, which teaches uh, 
Americans to hate their fellow citizens and to hate their country, to view our skin color as the most important thing about us, as opposed to upholding our declaration, our constitution, and respecting the dignity and worth of every person, irrespective right. of their skin color. These companies are bringing great pressure to bear in politics, whether it's about race, whether it's about transgendered students playing sports, whether it's about the kind of views that employees are able to uh, express, not just on company time, Tony, but on their own personal time as well. Uh, there have been so many stories about persons who have been canceled just because of what they say on their own social media accounts when they're not purporting to speak for their company or speak on company time. Um, we have to stand up for the rights of every American uh, to have the freedom of expression and freedom of thought that our country has always held so dear. Now, in the absence of these companies using the same standard on Democrats that they used on Republicans, which would I would be shocked if they did, quite frankly. Uh, but do you do you see Speaker Pelosi moving forward to oust uh, Congresswoman Miller Meeks? It wouldn't surprise me, Tony. Again, you got to remember, Nancy Pelosi has the smallest majority of speaker in almost a century. Uh, she's lost several members for a few months, uh, even though they come from safe Democratic districts because they joined. Uh, the Biden administration. In some of those districts, like in New Mexico, we even have a chance to pick it up uh, in the months ahead. So for her, every single vote counts. And it would not surprise me if she and her liberal allies in the House try to steal this seat away from Marionette Miller-Meeks. Now, I tell you, if they do, Tony, I mean, it will be a cold winter in the Congress. And, you know, a lot of Democrats back in January were saying that Republicans who voted against certifying the Electoral College results should be expelled from the Congress. Right. Well, perhaps we should apply the same standard to the Democrats. When, right. they, when the Republicans take over the House majority in 2023, anyone who voted to steal that election to Iowa shouldn't be seated. How would the Democrats like that, Tony? Well, I've, I watch this very closely. Um, I watch uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, the leader, Republican leader. Uh, he's very calculated. He doesn't waste words. Uh, and I saw that you know he has weighed in on this, both on the Senate floor and, of course, joined the letter uh, that uh, you were a part of, uh, this would suggest to me that this is not something that uh, Mitch McConnell would let pass. No, Tony, not at all. And, you know, uh, when I thought about this idea that we should demand these companies apply the same standard to Republicans and Democrats, uh, first, of course, I went to Joni Ernst and Chuck Grassley uh, as the senators from Iowa. Both good friends of mine. They immediately wanted to join the letter. I thought, too, you know, we should go to the majority or the once and future majority leader, <laughs> yeah. Mitch McConnell. Um, he's just he's just a heartbeat away from being majority no leader. No kidding, no kidding. Who who obviously um, holds great sway uh, in the Congress, and he he too said right away, "I want to be a part of this." As you said, he's spoken on the floor about it. Um, not only is the House Republicans aren't going to stand for Democrats stealing this race in Iowa, I can tell you, Senate Republicans won't stand for it either. Yeah, I think, um, and this would be, I don't know. Um, I, I just think it would be a. To me, this would be like one of those old Marine and Navy brawls uh, that uh, that breaks out in a bar room. I mean, I just think this would be this would be over the top if, uh, in fact, the Democrats do oust uh, a duly elected, certified member of Congress because she is uh, Republicans. They're going to be watching that very, very close. Uh, before we run out of time, Senator, you were at the border last week with a group of your colleagues from the Senate. Uh, crisis at the border? Is that an understatement? Uh, it probably is an understatement, Tony, to call it a crisis. I mean, we saw heartbreaking scenes uh, of young children being held in pens 
um, of young women and young men carrying young children with them after making a long, arduous journey through Mexico. Um, you know, the media, Tony, focuses primarily on these facilities, how many beds they have, and showers, and hot meals. But I tell you, Tony, that's treating the symptom, not the cause. The cause is Joe Biden's open border policies. If you let them in, more will come. And we have to send a signal to all these would-be migrants that they cannot simply come to our country, make a bogus claim of asylum, and enter our country. That is the humane thing to do, to tell them, don't make this journey. If you do, we are not going to let you in, and we're going to send you back to your country, as was happening in the last year of the Trump administration. The Biden administration is lying outright what was happening. No one, especially children, are being turned to the Mexican desert to starve and die, as Joe Biden says. They were being put on a plane and flown back to countries like Guatemala or Honduras or El Salvador and being reunited with their families there. That's what needs to happen now. Otherwise, you're going to see continued increases of these migrants at our border. And I spoke to many of them, Tony. They all said they were coming for a better job and a better opportunity. They did not say they were coming to escape religious or political or ethnic persecution. All right. So, Senator, what, what should we what should we be doing there at the border? Uh, Tony, three very simple solutions. First, reapply the public health exclusionary orders to all persons. They've exempted minors. Not surprisingly, they have a new flood of minors. Second, reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy. If you get to our border, you have to stay in Mexico to adjudicate your asylum claim. You don't get released into the country under unrecognizant. And finally, re-enter uh, safe third country agreements with Central American countries. If you're leaving your country and claiming asylum, you have to make the claim in the first country you enter. You don't get to come all the way to America and make your claim. Joe Biden can do all three of those tomorrow. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it there, Senator. I want to thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll be continuing to track all of these uh, issues. So uh, good to talk with you. Thank you. All right, folks, don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch on the other side of this break. Stick with us. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, 
check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the world's foremost violator of religious freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash North Korea. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. All right, as we've covered on this program before, uh, many times, in fact, wokeism is making its way into our public schools in a significant fashion. And one of the latest examples is in Minnesota, where the academic standards are reviewed and revised on a 10-year cycle. Now, this year, it's social studies turn. And the first draft of the state's new standards has many conservatives there up in arms. Why? Well, for starters, high school freshmen will be taught about the evils of whiteness, Christianity, and capitalism. What else? Well, joining me now to uh, talk about what's being proposed in Minnesota is Katrin Wigfall, uh, policy fellow at the Center of American Experiment, of the American Experiment, which has been leading the charge against these new standards. She is also a former teacher and current director of Educated Teachers Minnesota. Uh, Katrin, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me, Tony. Okay, so tell us first where this is in the process, where these standards are, and then let's talk about what they are. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, academic standards are revised every 10 years by state law. Our Department of Ed has to do that. It's social studies turn this year. And the first draft of standards was released early December and what followed was a public review and comment period that ended in January. And now the public or the committee has held a couple public meetings since then to review the public feedback and decide what steps they're going to take in revising the second draft, if any. So we don't have a date yet on when that second draft is going to be released, but we have been told it's likely to come out later this spring. And boy, will the center be ready to take another deep dive look at the second draft, compare it to the first, and also compare it to the current standards that are in place right now. So let's talk about what is being proposed here. What, is, what are the most concerning elements of these proposed standards? 
I think the first most concerning part in these standards is in the opening paragraph of the draft where the committee admits to, quote, a shift in approach to standards and social studies learning, end of quote. That's the first red flag. And then you don't have to read too much further to discover that many key pieces of history, civics, and world education have been replaced with these controversial and hard-to-measure standards that are taught through a lens rooted in a meta-narrative and a divisive and narrow worldview. Now, I recognize that it's important that students learn about the messy and complex parts of our history, but these proposed standards in their first draft format, and I do acknowledge that this document is a first draft, these standards want students to form a really deep animus against the American project, which is very concerning. Uh, Catherine, to, to me, and I've not done the deep dive that you have, I've just looked at the, uh, at the surface, but to me it almost appears to be a continuation of the last attempts to rewrite history. Absolutely. We see an ideology that powers this draft is rooted in racial identity politics. And the way that this language and the draft standards currently stands, students are being told that the history that, that we think matters doesn't matter. And instead, everything needs to be framed through the color of their skin, that their skin color defines who they are, how they see the world. And of course, this directly contradicts Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s colorblind ideal. Uh, now, I know Minnesota is not a bastion of conservatism, but it's not a it's not a California either. Uh, there are a lot of uh, I mean, you've got Republican, strong Republican leaders that come out of, uh, of, of Minnesota. A lot of conservative folks uh, that live there. You uh, helped facilitate feedback from concerned Minnesotans about this, and the overwhelming feedback that was given to the Social Studies Standard Committee came from people who were concerned about what they were being, what was being proposed. Absolutely, and to be honest, the center, we weren't even aware that the Social Studies Standards were being revised until late November, early December, right before the first draft was released, and we realized, oh my goodness, if we're not aware of this, Minnesotans who have so many other things in their day-to-day -day lives to think about likely aren't aware either. And when it's on a 10-year cycle, keeping track of which subject is up for review can, can be tricky. So we facilitated a campaign called RaiseOurStandardsMN.com. And through that campaign, we drafted a letter to the Department of Ed that highlighted some key areas of concern. And Minnesotans were able to view that letter and decide for themselves if they agreed with our concerns that we listed or not. And over 5,000 Minnesotans said, wow, yes, this is very concerning. We want our voices to be heard. And they individually submitted these concerns to the Department of Ed. Now, the Academic Committee had the opportunity to review this feedback. And unfortunately, during their first public meeting in January, the Department of Ed's Director of Academic Standards labeled the concerns that Minnesotans identified in these letters as white supremacy language. Wow. But uh, I'm thinking now that there's uh, pressure on them because those comments were made public and, and advertised in different columns. And now they're feeling the heat and realizing that they maybe need to take a step back and think through what they're proposing that our students should be learned for the next decade. What what arrogance to be so condescending and dismissive, uh, and that's how they play this race card. It's just they don't want to answer, they can't answer, not legitimately, and so they just throw out, well, this is uh, white supremacy, this is racist. Uh, incredible 
what we see happening. So what, what if, before we run out of time, uh, Catherine, what, do, what if folks in Minnesota uh, that would be listening to this program, what can they do at this point? Well, at this point, we are still having Minnesotans submit uh, feedback to the Department of Ed. Now, the public comment period has closed until the second draft is released. But reach out to school board members, to your school legislators. Let them know that this revision process is underway. And then follow us at AmericanExperiment.org and sign up for our newsletters because we will keep you up to speed on when this next draft comes out, what content it contains or doesn't contain, and then when you can submit that official feedback. We have time to make these standards better, so now is the time to act. Very good. And, folks, if you didn't catch that, go to TonyPerkins.com. We've got a link there for you. Catherine Wigfall, thanks so much for joining us. And, folks, by the way, if you're not in Minnesota, don't think it stays in Minnesota. This kind of stuff's happening across the country. And we continue our conversation about wokeness in America's education system and what you as a Christian should be thinking and doing about it. David Clawson joins me next. Don't go away. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive. And many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, i definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me encourage you to download the Stand Firm app. It's at the App Store. That way you will not only be able to listen to Washington Watch, no matter where you are, but you'll get our action alerts so that you can take action on things like what we were just talking about in Minnesota. Again, you can get it 
at the App Store, Stand Firm. All right, we were just talking about Minnesota, and I mentioned you don't think it's just isolated to Minnesota. Um, It's spreading across the country. Now, I think I was out. We didn't talk about this. We wrote about it in the update uh, about what's happening in New in uh, in California. In fact, so out outside the uh, the mainstream that even the New York Times uh, says this is too much, and that's in California, where uh, they are unleashing all kinds of vicious cultural and spiritual poison in the minds of young people and calling it public education. Joining me now to talk more about what is happening in public education and how you need to be looking at this and what you need to be doing about it is David Clawson. He is the uh, director of our Center for Biblical Worldview and Christian Ethics. Uh, David, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you. Thank you for having me, Tony. All right. We were we were discussing with our previous guests about what's happening in Minnesota, what they're pushing through the social uh, science, uh, social studies curriculum. We didn't get into what's happening in California. Uh, so I just want to give our listeners kind of a, a thumbnail sketch of what is happening in, in California, where th- this... A first attempt to revise the curriculum was so bad that even Governor Newsom vetoed it last year, but they've come back, and it's just as bad as it was last time. Oh, it's even worse, Tony. And, and what's happening in Minnesota, as the, the previous guest indicated, is really bad. But almo- that almost looks tame compared to what you see happening in California. And so you're right. This is a, uh, a proposal to add ethnic studies uh, to the California public school curriculum. And the the first version was so anti-Semitic that you had uh, Governor Newsom veto it, and you had a lot of outrage amongst Jewish groups in California. But this another version that was passed by the Department of Education that will now go to the California legislature, again, this would require ethnic studies to be a part of the California public school curriculum. And it's 900 pages. I've read a couple of those pages. But some of the most egregious things, Tony, is that it, it this, again, this would be taught as fact in public schools schools um, that when America was founded, you had uh, European settlers imposing what they call theocide, so not genocide, but theocide. The Christian God committed theocide against Aztec gods. And, and as a result, um, one of the things that the, the California public school teachers will be teaching is that to atone for this theocide is that they will be doing a chants and prayers uh, to Aztec gods as a part of kind of atoning for the sins of the settlers uh, from who, who founded this country. So this, that, of course, LGBT indoctrination, all of that is in this ethnic studies, which will be a requirement for the six million students who are part of the California. California public school system. Now, I, I, I want to make sure people heard what you just said. We're talking about bringing in. We're, we're, we're talking about talking about Christianity um, and, and, and the European settlers uh, killing off the gods of the indigenous people that were here. In particular, talking about the Aztec gods being one that they basically would be, um, as you said, chanting, but it would be. Uh, I, I mean, it's 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 like a worship service that they're there to cry out these these uh, um, sayings to these idols, these demonic idols, 
that's going to be in the classrooms in California. I would think that that would violate the Establishment Clause of the Constitution. Well, I think it absolutely is a, com- a complete violation of the First Amendment. It's interesting, Tony. You know, public uh, prayer was taken out of the public schools in 1962, and I guess now in 2021 it's okay so long as the prayers and the chants are being offered to Aztec gods. Uh, by the way, one of these Aztec gods uh, was worshipped in the 15th century uh, with human sacrifice. Right. Uh, th- these are the kinds of gods that are now it's okay to chant and pray to uh, according to the, the writers of this curriculum. All right. Um- I know we're up, almost up against a break. We're going to come back and talk more about this. But before uh, we run out of time here, people say, oh, that's California. We expect that. But we were just talking about Minnesota. It's happening in other states. We talked about Illinois a few weeks ago. This is something that is happening across America. No, it is, Tony, and we've seen this in the past couple of decades. What what's starts in California never stays in California, and you're seeing this across in Minnesota, Illinois, and, and other uh, cities and municipalities where this kind of uh, indoctrinization of our children is being introduced, and it's being introduced with a vengeance, and uh, Christian parents absolutely need to be aware of what's going on because this is going to affect every child that's in these public schools. Okay, when we come back... Um, we're going to talk about this. This is both a spiritual issue, uh, it is a cultural issue, and it's a political issue. And, and we've got to address all three of them. And uh, David Clawson, my guest, he's going to stick around, uh, and we're going to address that. Also, Brent Kylan, uh, the vice president of uh, FRC Action, uh, is going to be addressing the political aspect of this issue as well when we come back from this break. So don't go away. We're going to continue our conversation about what is happening in America's classrooms and what you can do about it. Now, you may say, well, I don't have any kids in public school. Okay. And what's your point? It's still influencing our country, our culture, and the direction that we're going. You have a stake in what's happening there. All right. Don't go away. We're coming back after this. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, Because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, 
Completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, talking about what's happening in America's public school classrooms. And there is an intense effort to, uh, to revise curriculum with every element of the left's wish list. And they're pushing hard. We talked about what's happening in Minnesota. And and what's happening in California is just unbelievable. I mean, it would be unbelievable for California. But this is actually finding its way into classrooms all across America. So, number one, as a parent, you need to be really engaged with what your children are being exposed to. Secondly, as a citizen in your community, you need to be concerned about what all of the children are being exposed to. And, you know, some people, well, these, these, these things are being driven from the state capital or it's being driven uh, by the federal government. And in true, a lot of it is being driven by, especially under the Biden administration, you know, a whole transgender agenda. But that doesn't mean you have to stand for it. Local communities need to rise up and say enough is enough. Now, the federal government, and most people don't realize this, but only about 7% of the funding for public education comes from the federal government. But uh, who knows the percentage? I would say probably it's 60 percent uh, of the, the, the guidelines from, for education come from the federal government. That could be an overstatement. I don't know the exact number. But I can assure you this, they have an outsized influence in relationship to the money that they put toward public education. And then, of course, the state legislature, the state educational bodies do the same thing. But man, it's, time to, it's time to stand up to those driving this agenda and say, no, we are not going to allow our children to be exposed to this. So as Christians, how should we be viewing this? 
and how should be, we be responding to this? And uh, I'm going to continue my conversation with David Clawson, the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview and Christian Ethics at the Family Research Council. And joining us is also Brent Kylan, who is the vice president of FRC Action. Um, Brent, welcome to uh, the conversation. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. Uh, David, let's start with uh, you in terms of how should Christians be viewing this issue of education? What type of responsibility do we have as Christian parents and Christian citizens? Yeah, I think the first thing, Tony, is that there's a responsibility to be aware of kind of what's going on. So kind of looking at this through the worldview lens, I did a little bit of research, and it's really interesting that 70% of Americans claim to be Christian. Now, I think we'd probably argue that it's probably much lower than that. But nevertheless, 70% of Americans who claim to be Christian, 90% of them uh, send their kids to public school. That means 90% of these children being raised in uh, Christian homes spend 30 to 35 hours in public schools that are typically run by those who don't have a biblical worldview. And we're talking about some of the proposals being made to curriculum. Well, frankly, there's been over the last couple of decades, you know, all sorts of, you know, things have been introduced into curriculum uh, that are antithetical to biblical Christianity. And, Tony, it's being effective. Let me just give you one stat. The Nehemiah Institute uh, regularly tests high school students on their biblical worldview. And what they found out, at least this was from the 2015 study, it showed that 90% of students from Christian homes that attended public schools uh, scored on their survey that their worldview is actually grounded in the basic tenets of secularism. So again, that's 90% of students uh, from Christian homes actually have a secular worldview. And again, we shouldn't be surprised by this. To, to paraphrase uh, the, the apologist Vody Bauckham, if we send our kids to be educated by Caesar, we should have no right to be surprised that they turn out to be Romans. So I think the, the, the first thing is to realize exactly what's going on. Right. Uh, but, but I, I want to step back just, to, uh, just one step. Not only do we need to know what's going on, but we, we have to realize we have responsibility for it. Because as, as Christian parents... We can't place our kids on a school bus and, and then wash our hands of it and say, oh, you know, it's not my responsibility what happens when they get on that bus. It is our responsibility. God has given us, and I've said this many times and I'll say it many more times, he's given us both the responsibility and the authority to train up our children the way that they should go. We're to talk with them in the way. Uh, when we sit down, when we, when we stand up, when we lie down, we're supposed to talk to them, educate them, teach them these things. Now, we can delegate the authority by allowing them to go to Christian school, a public school, but we'll never, ever be able to delegate the responsibility. God will always hold us, ultimately will hold us accountable. And we're the ones, as parents, you know, I've seen this so many times, and I don't want to get on my soapbox here, but I think I will anyway. I, I've talked to so many parents who lament what's happened with their children, and the common denominator is what they were exposed to in their public school that contradicted everything that the parents sought to inculcate, to train, to teach their child both at home and at church. And the school has him far more hours, so many more hours in, in those classrooms. And, and it's having a profound effect upon the thinking of, and I'm, I'm talking about Christian, profound effects upon the thinking of Christian children. 
No, it absolutely is, Tony. And the point that you just made, I think, deserves to be underscored, that if our, the children are spending 30 to 35 hours in a public school, that's they're being exposed to ungodly and unbiblical beliefs, that simply can't be uh, counteracted by the few hours that parents have you know, uh, at, at home or one hour at church or maybe an hour at youth group on a Wednesday or a Sunday night. And, and so what that does, not only all those hours, not only does that change what you believe, it, it changes what you love. And what's taking place in those, those classrooms is your children are being learned to, to love certain things, that there's, there's formation that's taking place. And let me just read one verse, Tony. You're absolutely right. I've said this before. Parents need to realize their chief role is, is the uh, disciple maker, that, that parents have that biblical responsibility to be the chief disciple maker in their child's life. You, you quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6. Another verse is Proverbs uh, 22, 6, which says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he, was, when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so, again, the, the, the buck stops with right. the parents in in the home, and it's their responsibility. So that's a responsibility that every parent needs to take very, very seriously because they will have to give an account to God for how they have discipled their child. So we, we have established here there's a responsibility, a spiritual responsibility for parents to know what's going on in the classroom. Um, you know, that, of course, the foundation of that being that they have the responsibility of educating their children, so they need to know what's going on. And if it's a situation in which their children are being indoctrinated, which in most cases probably is, you need to be praying seriously about alternatives to these government schools. Uh, I want to bring Brent into the conversation. Brent, I want to talk about the, um, the, the cultural responsibility, because what's happening in these classrooms across America is affecting the culture of our country. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Tony. So let, let's talk about how we can uh, address that issue. Yes. So, Tony, I think there's uh, several steps, important steps that we can take here. And, and to follow up with some of the numbers that David shared, um, you know, 90% of the children in, in our country go to public school. And um, that number t- has taken a bit of a hit uh, due to, uh, you know, what we've seen with uh, the, the pandemic. But still, the reality is, is that the overwhelming majority of children for the foreseeable future will be in public schools. And so it's so important, so important that we get involved and roll up our sleeves here. So several things that you can do, I I would say start out, uh, be aware and leave nothing to chance. Make sure you know what's going on. Show up at those school board meetings. Um, Do you know who the school board members are for your district? Do you know how to reach out and contact them if some of these questions come up? Have those conversations with your kids. Don't leave that to chance because uh, a lot of times we say this would never come to my my uh, school district. I don't live in one of those uh, leftist areas, but the reality is, is if it's not there, they will try to get it there at some point. So you need to get out in front of that, get out in front of that and make sure you're addressing that. Some other steps you can take, Tony, you talk about this a lot on your radio show, but but I'm going to underscore it again, vote. 
Voting is so important. Uh, candidates have an enormous impact both at the state and federal level on our education policy. It's important to make sure you know where they stand and you're doing that. Um, third thing I would say is is keep working for the betterment of the education system right in your community. Start right where you're at. And Tony, if I could share a, a couple examples on this one, I know we've been talking uh, about Minnesota here and this uh, this academic standards review that, that, that we've been talking about. Those reviews, those revisions were being conducted by a committee of 38 members uh, across the state of Minnesota, but, but it included parents, teachers, school board members, business leaders. People could apply last year to be on this, uh, this committee, and those types of opportunities are out there, but they're very easy to miss if you're, if you're not looking for those. We need to be involved in those types of opportunities. Uh, one other story here, this also is very recent, but I think very positive, Tony, in North Carolina, the lieutenant governor there, Lieutenant Governor uh, uh, Robinson, Robinson just uh, announced the creation of a new task force that is aimed at protecting students from indoctrination. And in, in the, the words of the task force, they want to ensure our students are being taught how to think, but not what to think. And so they set up this mechanism through the website where parents and students could report a complaint if they saw some of this indoctrination uh, taking place. Tony, within a couple days of that website uh, being launched, it went down. The media was speculating that that was because they had given up this task force quickly. The reality was the exact opposite. They got so much web traffic within a few days of, of launching this, it shut the website down. They had to temporarily take that down so they could upgrade it and bolster it and, and handle more uh, more capacity and activity. And, and I think that's an encouraging sign that there are more and more parents and students becoming aware of what's going on and looking for that outlet, but you can help facilitate that outlet in your community. Know what's going on. Know how to connect other people with what's going on in your community. And, and then, Tony, last thing that I'll, I'll mention here is is think about running for office and especially for school board. It yeah. is just so important right now. And, and I can tell you, for, for those listening to the show right now, uh, some of you have thought about running for office. There are probably other people, a few other people in your church or your community groups who have also thought about running for office. If you don't feel called to run for office, find those that do and support them. They need the help. But uh, but this is something running for office takes time commitment. Um, you have to do some research, but it's also very doable. And it is just so important right now that we have good voices on these school boards. Yeah, that's, that's critical. And let me address just a couple aspects of that last point of running for office especially for school boards, number one, people say, well, my kids are grown. They don't, they, don't, they don't have any kids in school, or my kids aren't in public school, so I don't think I can do it. No, it doesn't matter. Uh, if mm -hmm. your kids are grown, mm -hmm. that's fine. It gives you more time to focus on it. Um, your kids didn't, aren't in public school, doesn't matter. I know uh, locally in my community, uh, we had a former chairman of the school board whose kids were homeschooled. They were homeschooled with mine. Uh, but he did a great job, well-respected. He was a businessman in the community. And so don't let that stand in the way of being a part of uh, changing your local community. And number mm -hmm. two, mm -hmm. it doesn't cost a lot to run for these offices at the local level. It's very, right. very doable. 
That's right. And Tony, I'll just add a couple of resources here, and we can make sure these get on that website, TonyPerkins.com. But there are groups that can help walk you through and give you resources on navigating what does it look like for you to run for office. And these offer great resources. These can be done online. And so we'll make sure to put those there so you can you can access those, but they can train you everything you need to know. Uh, it, it can be intimidating. They can make sure you have the information that you need. Also, some further resources that FRC has produced can be found at frc.org slash education. And these uh, are some pamphlets, some materials that you need to be aware of on the, the issues facing some of the local schools, but also some steps they issue at the end for parents on steps you can take to address some of these things and some of these issues should you see them pop up in your local schools. Yeah, it, it, the time is now. To, uh, yes. to act. Yes. Uh, David, I'm going to give you uh, the final 30 seconds uh, to wrap up our conversation. I'll just say, Tony, that our colleague George Barna, uh, he says that uh, someone's worldview is crystallized between the ages of 7 and 13. And I think we just need to realize that our children are worth fighting for. That, that, that's the, the, my biggest takeaway from this conversation is that our children are worth fighting for, and they're going to get that biblical worldview uh, only if we're fighting for it. And I think we need to be about that business because it's worth it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, David Brent, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today. Thank thanks, you, Tony. And, and, folks, I, I just want to leave you with a final thought. Look, the battle is raging, and... and and they've been em- empowered and emboldened by the the Biden administration and the, the media and the left. But they are not in the majority. Look, the vast majority of Americans care about their children. They care about what they're being taught. And they're not a part of this radical agenda of the left. We've got to stand up against it right where we are. So I challenge you, pray and ask the Lord what he would have you to do. Number one is a parent. Number two is a member of the community and, and as, a, as a believer in America today. All right, for some of these resources that were mentioned, go to TonyPerkins.com. We're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us, and I will leave you once again uh, with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, Keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.